0: Hi, this is Jana Otto and we are modern homemakers. And we want to welcome, welcome, welcome you. If you're a first-time listener, we're so glad you're here. We don't know how you found us, but we're glad you did. Our desire, our goal, what we work at is very simple. We want to encourage young women, young women particularly, but all women, in four areas. We want to encourage you as a woman, a wife, a mother, and a homemaker, and I don't know where you are sitting right now or where you are in your life process, but I know that most of us fit into one or two of those categories, and a lot of us fit into all four of them at some places in our life. So, Modern Homemakers is here to encourage you. We have many uh, resources available on our website modernhomemakers.org. Many of them are free resources. Many of them are books and recommendations. There are videos and video series and teachings and also a long list of available archived podcasts. The industry of podcasting, which is very popular, has been a part of our work for the last 16 years. This is our 16th season, and we're glad to be here. The theme for this season is listening yep you heard me or did you hear me listening listening for love listening for learning and i'm going to spend this year talking about various tools and various important aspects of what it means to be a listener Part of this is discovering what kind of person you are, and uh, this summer I was reading something about the difference between being a willing person and a willful person, person. and I laughed and I thought, I'd like to start a riot or a movement, all ings follow, all fools, what are you? I, David, my husband, doesn't think it's very funny at all. I think it's quite funny. So if you don't think it's funny, you're in David's camp, and it's okay with me. I think there's something very powerful about three little letters that really define how I can be about certain people, circumstances, areas of my life. Am I an ing person? Am I willing? Am I willing to go to be surrendered? Am I attending to the things in my life or am I willful? I want what I want when I want and I know how to get it. We've been talking a little bit about finding quiet finding quiet is a good place to learn some listening tools finding quiet can be very hard in a noisy culture so i want to end this conversation about being willing or willful and talk a little bit about what it means to be self-surrendered do you feel your self as a pure person is more willing to surrender to someone it could be as small as what restaurant would you like to go to i want to go here and you don't want to go there, and you just say, okay. I talked when we were together last time for a minute about being a people pleaser. Now, it is not what I'm asking you to consider. I don't want you to consider being a people pleaser. I want you to be a willing person. If your husband always likes to go to the same restaurant, and you hate that restaurant, uh, you need to find some other place to eat. But if it's tonight, and you've had your heart set on a pizza, and He wants a steak or a hot dog. It's okay to be a willing person and surrender to someone else. And I think the more we practice surrendering, the more we're willing to say, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Well, doesn't really matter is an important phrase in the Otto household. Because I look back on my most willful days And I can tell you all the reasons and excuses for it. For example, we had just come out of a very serious gas shortage. And every ounce of gas in the gas tank was being not measured, but carefully used. So whenever I got ready to make errands and run errands, I would make a list of them and I would make a list of them in very precise order. So I would leave the house and turn right and keep turning right and keep turning right till I made a big circle and I got back home and I never wasted an ounce of gas, really. I, I Don't you think I'm wonderful? Yes. That's what I thought too. I thought, I, I. so my husband and I were in the car, the gas shortage was over, I happened to like turning right. I also happen to like to tell people what to do, and especially my husband. And have you ever noticed that whoever you're riding with doesn't exactly drive the same way you drive? Well, that's how it is in our house. And there is no doubt that my husband is a better driver, but that doesn't change the fact that I want to help him out a little bit. So we're driving down the street, and I said, you know, babe... If you turn right here, then you could miss that one and go there. And my husband, who is a mild-mannered man, does not yell. He is not a screamer. He does not dissolve into hysteria. He took his fist, he made a fist, and he hit the center column on the steering wheel. And he said in very firm words, Does it really matter? I was shut down. I was shut down for minutes, I thought. That's a very profound question. <laughs> because the real answer to it was no, it doesn't really matter. And when I was thinking about this being an ing and a full, and whether I was more willing than I was woeful, or if I was a sneaky <clears throat> willing, you know, I, I, I said the right thing. But behind, you know that story about the little boy who was told to sit down and sit down now and he didn't want to sit down but he sits down and he replies later I may be sitting down on the outside but I'm standing up on the inside and that's what I'm talking about I'm not talking about giving in I'm not talking about surrendering I'm talking about the willfulness that says this is what I'm going to do you may talk me into it now, when we talk about in relationship with people, in deep relationships and long life relationships, a little of all these things must exist. I must be willing to please the people I love and care about. I must be willing to do what they want to do when I don't want to do that. I must be willing to say to my husband, you're absolutely right, honey, it doesn't matter. Well, does it really matter became a a coined phrase in the Otto household because I discovered a lot of things I thought mattered really don't matter. And I think that's the difference, or one of the differences, I should say, in being an ing or a fool. It's more about an attitude and not about the activity. Ings notice and bend. Fools forget and ignore, or worse, they try to take down. American history is full of men and women who, like Paul Jones said, don't tread on me, Our country grew and prospered in many arenas, but we certainly can feel the sting of willful independence. I'll never forget the first time I watched the Burger King commercial of a couple of decades ago when it said, have it your way, and I thought, oh yes, we are a culture of wanting to have it our way, and why not? And most of the time, we can get it our way. It was Jesus who modeled the ing, the sacrificing, the willingness, the prayer that he prays to his father. Yes, he could have called down 10,000 angels, but the night before he said, not my will, but your will be done. He was willing. He was willing to do the father's will instead of his will. He was willing We've lost much of our vulnerability in this process, and it gets harder and harder to ask for help. It gets harder and harder to ask for help. Sometimes we lose control, and it reminds us that trusting and vulnerability and acknowledging our feelings is not terrifying, but terrific. Mm -hmm. I happen to have uh, more in the past than currently, but a terrific... uh, screen that drops down when I know I need help and I have to ask for help. Uh, I have to be vulnerable and say, I made the wrong turn and I'm totally lost. Can you help me? And that may mean on the road or in my finances or in a relationship with someone. I consider myself kind of middle ground. I have a willfulness, but I also have a deep sense of longing to surrender. And I think that may be where I'd suggest to you to consider. Do you really want to surrender, but you don't know how? Do you really want to be an ing, but you've been a fool most of your life, and you don't know what to do? I think I flip and flop. I want to be surrendered. I want my feelings to have a sense of intelligence. And I believe oftentimes that my intelligence side, my information side, my theology side gets in the way. Now, you've heard me say this if you've been listening at all. Um, there's more than one ology in life. There's more than theology. There are a lot of ologies. But I don't want to walk the middle of the road in theology. I want to be Stead, the person who can be counted on, who will stand up and say, yes, I'm an ing. I want to be accounted for that my yes is my yes and my no is my no. Gerald May, again, quoting, says that psychology is fundamentally objective and secular and willful, whereas religion is mysterious, spiritual, and willing, so, when I read those three words in each category, I thought fundamentally, its psychology is objective, secular, and willful, whereas religion is mysterious, spiritual, and willing. That's the side I want to fall down on. I, I want to believe that this is a mystery and I will never know the answer. It's not a John Gresham book, and at the end of the book, I'm going to know who done it. It's not a mystery that's solved at the end of the 90-minute movie or the 30-minute TV show. It's spiritual, which means it is out of my control. It is Spirit-led, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that I am willing to engage in it. But the facts of the church, theologians calling on psychotherapists to teach the clergy how to counsel. Now, my daughter is a therapist, and I feel fairly certain that the facts don't get in the way of her faith. But the church, which once held the trump card, what the church said was right. What the church taught was right. Theology was the correct answer. What the Bible said was what we should be doing. Uh, I'm not sure we used it well, that trump card, but we have to guard against the trump card being held by someone else. And while I will send you to professional help, a professional counselor, if that's what you need, and you and I are engaged in conversation, I want always to be the woman who sends you first to the great counselor. We need to learn the difference between counselors who use an ichthus on their door that says, "I follow Jesus," and one who is a true follower in faith. Counselors and therapists are people who we recommend and we support. And you have met one of our greatest recommendations, Dr. Greg Crow, who's been on these podcasts, and we'll invite him to come again. He isn't just an ichthus on his window. His talk of faith, is a question in his counseling. William McNamara called it psycholatry, an attempt at titillation of the psyche rather than enjoyment of the spirit. I again draw your attention to the stillness of ourselves and listening to God for the direction that he is wanting to give you, that he is giving to solve the problem. Solving problems with the help of others in our communication, excuse me, in our community, or our congregation is essential. I do not have the wherewithal to see and know everything. I'm often so personally engaged that I forget about the other side when I'm making a choice. And much of our culture wants to rid ourselves of pain. We have never lived in a society that desires more pain-free ways than ever before. We talk of Susanna Wesley and women like her, my own grandmother, who had 12 pregnancies and four children who lived. That was a way of life. Susanna Wesley had 25 pregnancies and 18 children. That was a way of life. They knew that all their children were not going to live. Um, That that's not how we live now. And we're mad, we're litigious, we're angry if something happens out of our sphere of being in control and having no pain. We run to the store for pills and fix it activities. I want to remind you of the serious possibility that God may be wanting to open a creative work in you. We're going to talk about this endurance factor In learning to listen to God and how much suffering builds our endurance. Well, before I left for my retreat, I was reading a number of things and I ran into this little rabbi, Hasidic folklore, folk tale, sort of Hasidic tale. And here's how it goes. The students come to the rabbi and they say, why, rabbi, are you always saying, put it on your heart, write it on your heart? Why do you always say, put it on your heart, write it on your heart? Why don't you say, put it in your heart? The rabbi pauses. I picture him pulling his beard. And then he says, ah, I say, put it on your heart, because one day your heart will break. And everything that you put on your heart will fall into your heart. I have to tell you that brought brought as it does right now, the verklempt moment, I think sometimes we forget that the work of knowing and learning and listening, being with the community, being with Christ, is preparing us for things that we cannot be ready for unless we have intimate relationships unless we are well known by the Savior and we know him well, unless we have people who love us and pray for us, who we can call up in the middle of the night and say, I need prayer. Let's not try to cope and handle and fix and control and relieve the boredom or the pain. When we submit to something just to resolve the pain, we may be missing the purpose. C.S. Lewis, in the book that he wrote called The Problem of Pain, he says that pain is God's megaphone. Megaphone. Do you know what a megaphone is? We don't see them very often. We used to see them more at football games when the cheerleaders were rallying us to reply and they'd shout through a megaphone and we'd reply. Lewis thinks that God uses that kind of megaphone to call us, and he uses pain to get our attention. I can tell you from my own life, I have been through, in the last decade, two or three very difficult, painful situations that I couldn't fix, even if I tried to. If we fix it, it's hard, it's surrendering. We don't have a chance to be willing and changeful. If we are, are in the middle of something that we can take over, And you say to me, well, why would I sign up for something that's painful? I'm not sure that I'm asking you to sign up for something that's painful. I'm asking you to be willing to take what God may give you. And it may be pain. It may be that his purposes are beyond your comprehension. We are not masters of one another. We are not grown by getting someone to submit to us. We're not masters of anything, including our souls, But I know that God wants to be the master of our lives. He wants to be in charge. He wants us to be willing. Well, when my husband and I were courting, I said to him one night as we were walking on the rocks at Lake Michigan, the city of Chicago, I was gooey-eyed, gooey-eyed, gooey-eyed over him. And I said to him, Are you happy and You haven't met my husband. Those of you who've been around, you've heard him. But my husband is a very serious fellow, very smart fellow, precious man, precious, precious man, who, don't, don't worry, I've wanted to knock his noodle more than once in our lifetime together. But he looked at me and he said very cerebrally, happy? What is happiness? And I thought, oh, no, what have I gotten myself in for? But David was talking about, what is happy clappy? What is, well, everything is good and how are you, honey? David's not like that. David was born a steel man. He's very sensitive. He responds to suffering and to mankind. He is not afraid to cry. He is not afraid to face things that are hard. He is not afraid to suffer. He's not afraid to encourage me to suffer. He is not preoccupied with happiness. As a matter of fact, David will say to you that happiness can be a preoccupation that can preempt joy. And happiness is a happy, clappy, I feel good right now. How are you, you good-looking man? Are you happy? Am I making you happy? Well, we've been asking that question of each other for decades now, and we still laugh out loud. I've also seen happiness equated to being with God. No sadness, no discomfort, no pain without God or worse Rejected by God, there is pain in this world. We have just seen the matters of Afghanistan, and it doesn't matter what side you are on, whether you're war or non-war, you're a fighter or a pacifist, you're one political party or the other. We can all see enormous human suffering. Growth is good. Self-discovery all the time, self-consumption, buying into the commercials of life, being selfish and willful is not good for our lives in general. It is not good for our lives full term. True spiritual grace is a surrendered to Christ life, and it transcends suffering. I've seen it with my very own eyes. Are you an ing? Are you willing? Or are you a full? Are you willful? When I'm an ing, willing to let God be in charge, even if I feel off center in doing it, I find more rest and peace and confidence. And I hope, because we have been together these last two shows, that you will make a careful consideration and inventory of your own life. Are you mourning or a full? And what would you like to be, mourning or a full? Willing to be surrendered to Christ. I don't know who you are. By name or face or story, but I would imagine there are some of you who have been listening these last couple of days who are saying, I've always wanted to be willing. I've wanted to accept and receive the inviting invitations of God, and maybe you never have. And I hope that listening to these podcasts will encourage you to surrender, to be willing, to take the words right out of Jesus's in the gospel messages of the New Testament. Not my will, God, but your will. And hence he went to the cross to suffer and die. That is the Jesus that I love and am willing to give my life for. And I encourage you to make um, that kind of choice. I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers. And remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of being willing to hear God's voice.